Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell, Kurt Souter, and we are a show for men talking about things from a man's perspective. And we're talking about the ultimate man job today, that of a sportscaster. That is a, uh, is a uh, got to be one of the top list of men. Man, I'd love to be able to do that. And we're talking to a guy who lived out that dream, Gary Gupton. He's very familiar to folks in the Kentuckyana area. He was on air for uh, 10 years plus as the right, yeah. face on uh, WHAS Sports. And we're talking to him about his transitions in life and uh, what the, was the supposed to be the worst day of his life on, from a career perspective ended up being one of the best. And so, Gary, uh, let me, let's back up. First of all, give us one of your favorite sporting events that you love to coverage. To cover. Uh, no, it's not even close. The Little League World Series. Oh, when wow. The Valley, Sports, <laughs> uh, Valley Station All-Stars. Yeah. That was so... Um, it was so winsome and so charming. When you go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, uh, all there really is in that town is that is those two baseball stadiums where Little League baseball players from all over the world come to live out their dreams. And there was it was such a it was such a throwback in time. There was no advertisements. There was no uh, billboards. Uh, hot dogs and a and a coke were a buck. And the young men were just so charming and so thankful to be there. Mm. And, and of course, the, the competition was sensational. The, the team played really well. But I've covered events literally all over this country of college and professional sports, Final Fours, and as, as big as you want to go. But the thing that I probably treasure most was having a chance to go to Williamsport and watch those young kids from uh, the south end of Louisville become the best team in the world. That was just an awesome, awesome two-week experience. Oh, that's, I was kind of hoping you say the 96 championship was kind of a big deal for, for Kentucky. Did you? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, you know, now you say that, that would have got to, had to be one of the most unique. I mean, cause how many times is that going to happen? You know, that's yeah. And, and when we finished covering those kids right before they flew back, every one of those young men uh, walked, uh, walked up to me, looked me in the eye, shook, me, shook my hand, and said, Mr. Guppin, thanks for being here with us these two weeks. Now, when's the last time that's happened? Oh, that's and, a bad, that's uh, Yeah, beautiful. it was just a sweet thing. Really oh, a sweet that's awesome. I mean, yeah, all the stuff you get to do, uh, Kentucky Derby's coming up, and uh, but it's uh, covering some, uh, some young men. Uh, that's, that's really special. That's cool. Well, speaking of young men, you 27 years ago, you and Terry... I had a had a gift from above, but it was a very uh, at the time you thought it was a really tough situation, and it was medically and the diagnosis with your son Grant. Tell tell us about that. Yeah, I was living in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I was a TV sportscaster down there, and uh, Terry and I were living the good life. We had a house that was a block off the Atlantic Ocean. I would get up every morning and uh, take a run for about a mile, and then uh, go jump in the Atlantic and and swim, and then come back in and. Well, uh, you know, we didn't have children yet. I mean, it, we had a fantastic life down there. And then uh, Terry uh, became pregnant with our first child. She had an absolute textbook pregnancy. And uh, I had been in Georgia uh, that day doing some stories for a television show, uh, for a college football preview show we were doing. And I got home uh, very late that night, and I felt that uh, those rib, that, that elbow in the ribs saying, honey, it's time to go. And uh, mm-hmm. that was August 29th of uh, 1989. And we went to uh, the hospital. Terry gave birth to our first son. And, and I remember when uh, looking through the glass window there at uh, Wolfson Children's Hospital and seeing my son in that, in that cradle with, with Grant Gupton at the foot of the bed and, 
And I remember thinking to myself, man, I've got a son in America. He can grow up to be anything he wants to be. And that moment was just so pregnant with opportunities and excitement. And um, and then three hours later, as we are uh, in the uh, hospital room where Terry's recovering from giving birth, this guy walks in the door. He's wearing a lab coat. And he says, Mr. and Mrs. Gupton, your son has Down syndrome. And it floored us. We had no idea there was going to be any such challenges with Grant. Um, it was it was one of the darkest moments of, of our lives. I have never felt so isolated and alone in my life. And then um, Grant got extremely sick. We got him home from the hospital. Within a week, he was extremely sick. We rushed him back to the same hospital. And uh, three times that day, the doctors came to us and said, Mr. and Mrs. Gupton, uh, come and tell your son goodbye. He's dying. And uh, mm-hmm. Curtin Chad, when we walked into that hospital bed, my six-day-old son, his body was so wrecked, so contorted, that if you can picture this, his heels were arced backward in a crescent, and they were touching the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, he, it, it was... It was grotesque, to be just real honest about it. That's how racked his body was. But Grant has an unbelievable will to live. And even though I'm convinced Satan tried to steal our son from us, uh, God did not let that happen. And and every time we walked into the hospital that day, uh, that heart machine, when we got in there, uh, would just start beating again. Mm-hmm. And he would fight back, and the doctors would rush us out. And that began what was basically a three-year battle to keep him alive. And he endured, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 23 surgeries through everything he had been through. And uh, But God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And uh, I'll never forget on the day after he was born, before any of the sickness had, had really hit him, we knew we had a son with Down syndrome. Didn't even really know what that meant. But the uh, pediatrician that we had hired, we're standing at the foot of, of Grant's bed. Terry's on one side of it. I'm on the other, and the doctor's standing at the foot of the bed. And he looks at us and he goes, you know, you two seem like a really nice couple. Why don't you put him in an institution and just get on with your lives? Mm. And, um, and so instead of getting rid of our son, we got rid of the pediatrician and we found somebody who could help us deal with this. <laughs> That's right. And, um, because and my gr- gosh, because what, we gr- thought, what, what, what we thought was a disaster was an unbelievable blessing. You, were, you, you had no idea... The, the gift that Grant would be um, when the, when the, when you first got that word, you had no idea the gift that Grant would be to you. No, it seemed hopeless, uh, Kurt. It seemed dark. It was the darkest place I've ever been in my life because in, in those days, uh, my my parents and Terry's parents both lived in Kentucky. We were in Jacksonville, Florida. There were no cell phones, so we call my my parents and her parents and tell them they've got a new grandbaby, and they jump in the cars and start heading to florida in the meantime we get this horrible diagnosis and we don't even have a way of telling them so mm-hmm. they walk into florida expecting to see a quote-unquote normal grandson and then we floor them with the same news that we got and um it it just seemed absolutely hopeless we had no idea uh how to even deal with it we didn't know what our lives were, were going to look like um i mean we were terrified and uh, um, and, and gary now i want you to tell our listeners fast forward now 27 years what is grant doing today well grant is getting ready to uh, head to uh aberdeen golf course here in uh, st louis he's the assistant golf coach of the spalding 
golf team. It just blows my mind to even say, you know, our, our, our pediatrician said we ought to put him in an institution. Well, we have. He's just the golf coach there. <laughs> <laughs> it's an institution of higher learning. Oh, uh, but about uh, two and a half uh, months ago, I guess it was, right at the start of the golf season, the coach, Michael Carter, came to me, and he had noticed Grant from last semester and how he comports himself and, and just what an endlessly optimistic, upbeat, encouraging person he is. And Mike Carter said, you know, I feel like my job as a coach is to invest more than golf into these guys. And he goes, I think Grant could help me do it. He said, would you consider allowing him to serve as our assistant golf coach? And we said, absolutely. So uh, after a practice session at Persimmon Ridge, which is their home course, um, the coach came up to Grant and said, uh, I've got an opening for a golf coach, and uh, I need to fill it. And Grant goes, well, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, he said, uh, well, I'd like for you to take the job. And Grant said, well, I'll be glad to do it. <laughs> and so for the last, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks of the golf season, we've been uh, traveling with the team. And uh, Grant, uh, he is living the greatest life. Uh, Terry and I were in Pennsylvania, I think it was, last week. And Grant did not know we were where we were positioned on the golf course. But what happens is, is the coach and Grant are in the golf court together, you know, taking care of the players, going around the course. And then if the coach needs to walk with the players, then it's Grant's responsibility to go follow up with the other players. And so we're standing there watching Grant drive past us uh, with a uh, – he's got a soft drink in, in the uh, beverage cart. Um, he's got uh, food and drink galore because he's here as a college coach. And he's on a golf course outside dealing with these kids. And I looked at my wife and I said, does anybody have a better life than he has? And, uh, and so he's – I mean, it's remarkable – that he's had the opportunity to do this. It's absolutely remarkable, you know, and he loves it. I just this is twenty-seven year old young man, and who has Downs, mm-hmm. and God is using him as an assistant coach on the University of Spalding golf team to be an encouragement and to be a blessing and to speak life into the players. Yeah, that is just that is only God can do that. That's right. That's right. You know, he said that if uh, uh, that he the stones would cry out if we don't, right? Mm. So, I mean, God designed all of us for a purpose. You know, I was talking with a guy that I led to Christ um, about five years ago, and I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago after the, the tragic death of, of Officer Nick Rodman. And this guy is still kind of coming to terms with what, what it means to be a Christ follower. And he goes, I don't understand that. Uh, why, why did God let that happen? And I said, well, first of all, uh, Nick Robin didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to protect others from someone who had done wrong. But for whatever reason, that was God's plan for his life. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I can tell you that the life that my son Grant has lived, I would not choose for him. That is not what I want for him. If I could change it, I would. But that's not my hands. That's not my choice. That's God's choice. Because Grant will never own a house. Um, he'll never, there's all kinds of never things that, that uh, some of us value that he'll never be able to do, right? But that's the path God chose for him, because God wanted to use him to touch lives in a way that other people can't. And, and that's Grant's journey, and being with him is part of my journey, and my wife's journey, and the, and the journey that our two younger ch- children share with him. When you look at our lives, they're just a dot on eternity. They seem like a long time to us because of all the sunrises and the sunsets, but it really is not about us. At the end of the day, it really isn't. It's about how do we comport ourselves 
and how much of our lives points back to the cross mm. in Christ and Him crucified. Good. I'll tell you what, Gary, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back for our fourth and final segment. So we want to thank you all for listening to uh, Solid Steps Radio. We're talking with Gary Gupton, and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps. Welcome back to our fourth and final, unfortunately, segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you're just tuning in, thank you for listening. And if you want to hear this show in its entirety, we're talking with Gary Gupton, former sportscaster at WHAS here in Louisville for about a decade. And uh, among other things, uh, he's uh, he's uh, kind of patrolling around the state with some big people these days. I'm not going to mention who. I'll let him tell us that. But uh, he's got some, uh, some, some big shadows he's standing in. But uh, we're going to... Uh, if you want to hear about the whole story, because he's got way more than just sports stories. He's got an incredible story that God has done in his life with his son, Grant, and his other children. And uh, if you want to hear that whole story, it is worth your time to listen. And if you know anyone right now who is in a dark period, and whether it's their job status, whether it's their financial status, whether it's their relational status, and they just say there is no hope in this situation, this may be a good way to encourage them to listen to this segment to know that there is hope. So, Gary, you're fired at WHAS, largest radio TV station, you know, here in, in the in the in the city and uh, in all of Kentuckyana, and then and then you turn preacher. Mm-hmm. And then, right. and then, uh, with a variety of other stuff going on too, you know, you're, you're still doing some TV stuff and right. uh, sports casting, and uh, and but but now God's got you where? Uh, right now, I'm on the senior staff for Governor Matt Bevin. On the uh, night after the election, or the day after the election, uh, when uh, Governor Bevin uh, uh, won the uh, gubernatorial race, um, I was contacted by his transition team, and they wanted to know if I would be willing to serve. On, on the governor's communication staff. And my philosophy in, in life, uh, once I left Channel 11, is say yes as many times as possible in life. And so when someone approaches me about an idea or an opportunity, if I have the ability and, and I have, uh, if I can possibly work it in my schedule, I say yes. And so as a native Kentuckian, when the governor of your state wants you to serve uh, the Commonwealth, I think that's a time you definitely say yes. <laughs> And uh, so what I do uh, for the governor is I help him with uh, uh, what we call strategic communication, which is basically everything outside of media. Uh, when he goes to do a speech, I just make sure that he knows all the background of the, of the people who are there and, and what their concerns are. I would not presume to write a speech for him. He is the greatest political communicator of our time. He is amazing he, yeah, he is. Uh, in how he communicates. He's incredible. Uh, so I just want to make sure he knows what's going on when he walks up to the podium. And I never give him a note. Uh, I mean, he has background notes, but everything he does is extemporaneous. He's the most gifted communicator, certainly since Ronald Reagan, and I would say he's probably even better than Reagan. He is incredible how he is able to communicate. Uh, But then there's also an organization within the state government called Creative Services, which is basically a television production company that serves the other uh, cabinets uh, in government. And I run that uh, as well, and I and I do some uh, work for the uh, tourism cabinet. So again, that's an example of the, they've asked me if I can do it, and I try to find a way as best I can uh, to accommodate them. And uh, that's been one of my larger principles in life: is I never know what kind of exciting door God is going to open up for me next. So you know, the Bible says in Revelation that God opens doors no one else can open, and He shuts doors no one else can shut. Mm-hmm. So I just depend on Him to open and shut doors, and and again, I just try to make sure I stay as blessable as I can, and open, and and listening, and and not try to be so determined to do it my way that I miss the better way. G- Gary, talk about that 
put yourself into a position to be blessed. Unpack that a little bit for us. Well, I think, uh, first of all, it starts out with, um, with understanding what your responsibilities are as a, as a father and a husband. Um, as surely as I know my wife is going to fix meals for our family three times a day, then as the spiritual leader of my family, I also have the responsibility of feeding my family spiritually every day. And I think that's one of the first things that a, that a husband or father needs to come to terms with is um, I think in, in modern Christianity, we have outsourced our, our paternal responsibilities to the church. We drop the kids off and have them to, to learn about the Bible or or whatever that is, we kind of ex, we've exported that out to professionals, mm-hmm. and I think because of that, we have a whole generation of men that are that are perhaps not as as uh, workmanlike with the scriptures as the Bible calls us to be. And so, um, I think it's very important that you start every day with uh, personal time with in the Word and in prayer. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. Uh, I mean, God does a lot with a little bit, mm-hmm. but as long as you're as you're in the Word and you're praying and you're sharing that with your family. Um, my wife and I have a devotional that, you know, the kids are all uh, kind of gone doing their own things now, but we have a devotional every morning before we head off and go to work. We start our day like that and we end our day in prayer every day. Um, and it's also about, um, looking for opportunities in, in just the most common things in life around you of an act of kindness, uh, be helpful, uh, to be kind, to be polite. Uh, to be God's uh, hands, His voice, His eyes, um, speak His word, speak His truth. I think all of those are part of what the responsibility that we have as believers in Christ uh, to put ourselves in position with that we're blessable. But we have all these wonderful opportunities that are presented every day, and the Holy Spirit will nudge us to encourage us to mm-hmm. do something that may be a little odd or quirky, or I wonder how they'll respond to that. But, but that's what we're called to do. And so my encouragement would be is to listen to that uh, still, small voice, as it's described in Scripture, mm-hmm. and, and, and be willing to do the kind of things that we're called to do as Christ followers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing is what the Bible would say, be prepared, mm. uh, be, be on your guard, be alert, be attentive, because God is at work, God is at movement in, in, in movement in, in, in and around our lives. And if we just pay attention to that, we can join him in, in God, the great things that he has in store for us. Absolutely, and Satan wants to disqualify from that, too. So mm-hmm. the alertness also uh, goes to the flip side, is to be aware that you don't put yourself in positions where you're going to be compromised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's forward-leaning and forward-thinking as well. And, and uh, it's, it's important that, uh, that you know, we, the description of putting on the full armor of God is because we're in a battle. I mean, that wasn't just nice hyperbole that Paul wrote about, that we, we really are in a spiritual battle and that we need to be aware of not only those opportunities um, to in, enhance our, our Christian walk, but also to protect it. And that's a huge part in, in today's society. And, and that's, you know, where are your eyes wandering when you're on the Internet? Uh, what's on your television at night? What kind of books are you reading? Uh, what kind of stories do you share in the office? All of those little things are what I mean about being blessable. And, and guys, we're going to blow it. And if anybody tells you we're not, they're not telling you the truth. We are going to blow it. But the grace that, that has been won for us is sufficient. And, and are we on the pathway 
again, it doesn't mean that we once in a while weave off and, and get, off, get off the path, but are we on the pathway of God's pathway for our lives, of, of walking with him, living righteously, again, not perfectly, but being in tune with what God is doing in and around us and you know, enjoying him and walking with him. Yeah, you know, Kurt, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, one of the things I encourage men all the time, we, we always wonder, am I in the right job? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Should I take the next job? And what I always tell them is God has given you a blank canvas that you get to stretch out the masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as surely as you think about GPS, beautiful thing about GPS is the analogy that if you take the wrong turn, that computer is going to readjust and it's going to give you a U-turn somewhere to put you back on on the path because you're trying to follow the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you still get off on the wrong road. But the good news is God's plan will reverse course if you you cannot mess up God's plan for your life <laughs> as long as you're being blessable. Because if you could mess it up, you'd be God. That's right. So that's why, you know, live life to the fullest. Jesus said an abundant life. And and by that it means it'll be full and meaningful, that we should not be cowarding away our lives. Uh, don't be afraid to start the business. Don't be afraid to step out in faith and do something new and something challenging. Don't do something foolish, but don't be afraid to try the thing that has always kind of gnawed at you when you stare at that ceiling fan at night. Should I be doing it? Um, Take the steps in life. Live a life of, I don't want to use the word aggressiveness, but assertiveness. You know, don't don't be passive. Uh, and I guess that's uh, one way I would describe it. When you think about the first sin in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't that apple uh, that Eve took a bite of; is the fact that her husband was right there with her, being passive. <laughs> being you know, he didn't he didn't stop her from eating the apple, right? Mm. And so uh, we have become, I, I'm afraid, uh, very passive men. A lot of us, and that's not what we're called to be. God created us to be action figures. And so we ought to be men of action. We are to be living the adventurous life that God has for us. Absolutely. Oh, Hey, Gary, yeah. I can't believe it. Our time is up, and um, it has been a blast to have you on the show. Um, but would you pray for our guys? Would you pray for us uh, that we men, would we, we would be active uh, in listening to God and following Him? Would you pray for us, please? Sure. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to share your story that uh, you have pushed through my life. And I know your hand's done it, Lord, and uh, it hasn't always been the way I would want it done, but it's the way that you planned it, and we accept that, Lord. Mm. And I pray for right now there are men that are that are afraid of what's going to happen at work or they're concerned about the relationship they've got at home. And, uh, Father, the blood that your son shed on that cross covered that. Mm. And I pray that you will help the men listening to this will not be afraid of what a boss can do for them or or terrified of the, of the challenges that are out there in life because— uh, you have overcome the world, Lord, and we are living through it. And I just pray, uh, Lord, that uh, anyone that doesn't know that there is that particular moment when they ask Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior, and I pray, Lord, that uh, they would seek out uh, the people, the resources, uh, the men involved in this radio show to make uh, a clear indication that they have surrendered their life uh, to the to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gupper. It was great to have you on the show, brother. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Kurt. And we want to thank Gary for listening. We also want to thank, uh, being our guest, we want to thank you for listening to the show. So uh, if you 
know anybody who may not be familiar with this show, if you could just forward this on. We put our podcast on our Facebook page on Monday mornings. So if you want to hear this show in its entirety, commercial-free, thanks to our sponsors, then go do that. But also maybe forward that on to someone else who may be uh, may need to hear that. So, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for allowing us to do this and uh, tell these stories that God is writing in people's lives. And Solid Steps Radio, we believe that you are, have a destiny and that God's destined you to walk with him through Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we can walk with God is through Christ. And uh, we just want to be a tool in your toolbox in doing that. So thank you for listening. And we appreciate that so much here on Solid Steps Radio. We're